0: This last week, my wife and I were able to go over to the White River Library and during Impact Week, just offer some time over there. And they have this big project going on. They're entering all of their items, all their books, all their videos into their database. And so we had these cool scanners in our hands and we're just going, beep, you know, beep, next book, beep. And we just scanned a whole bunch of books and a whole bunch of shelves and we had a blast. We were having so much fun that at one point the librarian had to come over to us and say, hey... We really appreciate all your help, and we're thankful you're here, but this is a library. Can you keep your voice down? I was like, oh, I'm sorry. So, uh, but that was great. We had a great time. And I just want to say thank you again to everyone who donated their time this week. Thank you so much. It really did make an impact in our community. And let our community know we're just not a, a place that, that talks or preaches. That We actually take the truth of God, God's word, and we try to live it out. We try to love our neighbors and serve our neighbors. So thank you for participating in Impact Week. And we are very excited about the fruit that's gonna come from that. And so we're wrapping up a series right now t- called uh, The Lies That We Tell. If you're new here with us, it's a series we've been talking about. Uh, Basically we've been talking about lying, we've talked about the idea that the average woman lies three times a day, the average man lies six times a day, 76% of adults believe that it's okay to lie sometimes when it's appropriate. I mean lying is a part of our lives, big lies, little lies, white lies, we all tend to lie. Why would we do a series like this? Because the Bible says very, very clearly in the book of Proverbs chapter 22 that God hates lying jesus said with complete clarity that satan lucifer the devil is the father of lies like all lies find their origin in the devil lying is demonic so as people of faith if you know the bible says god hates lying and jesus said lying is from the devil it's probably a good idea that we learn how to avoid all kinds of lying yes do you agree with this lying to other people that's we talked in week one lying to god that was last week's talk Today, I want to talk about a different type of lying. You know, the person that I lie to the most is someone that I know very, very well. Uh, I know what this person likes to eat. I know how this person likes to dress. I know this person's taste in shoes. I take this person on date nights. uh, Sometimes When I go on vacation, this person comes with me. Um, I know basically everything there is to know about this person. Do you know who it is? it's me. (laughs) That's That's who I lie to the most. And you lie, not necessarily to this person, but you lie to yourself the most. And here's why. If you're honest enough to admit this, that you have an inner dialogue going on in your mind with who all day long? With who? with yourself, right? So if you're talking to yourself the most, there's probably a likelihood that you're lying to yourself the most, right? Isn't that true? And so uh, we want to talk today about the lies that we tell ourselves. We're so good at it. We're so good at lying to ourselves. We say things like, well, I'll start the diet tomorrow. Ever say that one? (laughs) Or I'll start the exercise routine tomorrow or whatever, you know, uh, we say things like, well, I don't really have a problem with alcohol. I, mean, I know I drink a six-pack every night, but it's not really an issue. I can quit any time. Have you heard anyone ever say that before? We say things like, well, it's not my fault. It's all her fault. Like, it's all his fault. If he would get his act together, then the relationship would work out. Or I've heard people say this before. I will never do that Again, whatever it is, lose your temper, crash the car, whatever. Blah blah. I'll never do that again. You know, I'll never go out. I'll never date someone like that again. And then you know, you know, you're with a guy just like that. You know, a week later. You know, it's just we, we're so we're so crazy. We tell ourselves these these untruths, these lies all the time. We say things like, well, I don't, you know, I don't really eat that much. and It's like, oh, you know, what? what come on, get a grip on reality. What's going on in, in your life? We say things like, I'm not a bad person, right? I mean, we do bad things and then we'll say, I'm not a bad person. It's no wonder the Bible has to say things like this. First John chapter one, verse eight. If we claim to be without sin, I'm not a bad person. Like I'm a good person. We, say it with me, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I had come, someone come forward about six months ago and they were so upset with me right here, down front after my talk. And she said, I can't believe that you tell people they're sinners. Do you tell the children that in the children's ministry? I'm like, yes, they're little sinners. We're all sinners. We got to deal with the truth about reality so that we can actually, you know, live well. And she was so upset with me, she never came back. Anyway, we just, we deceive, we deceive ourselves. We're so good at it. I talk to people sometimes, say, "Ah, I'm good with God. You know, I'm talking to them about how to align their life with what scripture says. You know, and their life is way out of alignment with, with God's ways, and 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 uh, and I'll say things like, "Man, well, I don't know. You know, I think you gotta you maybe turn from that or whatever." And they said, "No, I got, I'm good with God. I have an arrangement." That's what they mean. I have I've got a special arrangement with God. It's no wonder the Bible has to say things like this in First John chapter two, verse four. Whoever says I'm good with God or I know Him but does not do what He commands is what a liar. And the truth is not it like some of you are here today or watching today whatever campus you're at you think you're like you're good with him but your life is way out of alignment with what he says and there's a real potential that you are lying to who? to yourself right we have to we have to do what he says jesus's brother james he wrote a book called james it's a good one it's a good book brother of Jesus. Listen to what he said in chapter 1, verse 22. Don't just listen to God's word. Don't don't come to church and listen to the preacher talk and and, and think that everything's okay. You must do what it says. Otherwise, if you just come to church and listen to what is said from the Bible, otherwise, you are, what? Fooling yourself if you don't do what it says. We're we're masters. In your notes, I wrote this. We are masters at self-deception. We're so good at it. We fool ourselves. We tell ourselves stories. Why do we do that? It's real simple. In in your notes, I wrote it like this. Honesty makes us uncomfortable. (laughs) See, if I tell myself the truth, that means I might have to do something I don't want to do. Have a conversation. Go work out. Right? If I make up a lie, like I'll go tomorrow, then I don't have to do, I can stay on the couch and watch Netflix, and eat Cheez-Its. <laughs> if I just say, well, I'll go tomorrow, right? Or I'll, I'll start the diet tomorrow. And the reason, I, the reason that's such a good story is because right now I can eat the cheesecake. See, I can do what's comfortable, so I lie to myself, so I don't have to do something uncomfortable. I don't have to go see the... See, if I don't have a problem with alcohol, then I don't have to go to the AA meetings. You with me? Like, I don't have a problem. What are you talking about? I I can stop whenever I want. Like, I'm a social drinker. You ever heard that one? Have you ever used that one? (laughs) Right? And if you don't have a problem, then you don't have to fix anything. You don't have to change anything. So we tell ourselves these stories so that we can stay right in our comfort zone. We don't have to do what the Bible says. I'm good with God. Right? We don't have to go see. We don't have to have the hard conversation with that relative or friend. Because, you know, here's the one I like to tell myself. Time will take care of it. Things will work out. You ever tell yourself that? I've, I've gotten in trouble with that one. Two people close to me before and they're having friction and I'm kind of involved. And I would tell myself, oh, it'll work itself out. It never does. Time does not heal wounds. Listen up. Conversations, humility, forgiveness, reconciliation. That's what heals wounds. Not time. I like to tell myself, Ah, oh, it'll take care. Of it'll work itself out. They're professionals. They're adults. <laughs> Hogwash, right? Am I right? but I tell myself the story so that I don't have to take action. See, here's what, what I wrote in your notes. If you tell yourself the truth, it puts you in the seat of responsibility. It makes you responsible. I love that word responsible. It's two words, response able, able to respond. And we don't want to do anything. We want to be comfortable. And so we don't tell ourselves the truth. We tell ourselves a story so we can sit back, And play the victim and say, I don't have to move, I don't have to go, I don't have to talk, I don't have to act, I don't have to call, I don't have to see, I don't have to read. But when we tell ourselves the truth, now we've got to take action. The first half of our marriage, Jackie and I have been married now for 20 years and it's amazing that we've been married that long. I think it just has flown by. Uh, The first half of our marriage... Uh, about every six months or so, we would have this cyclical argument. And sometimes it would be triggered by finances or something with the kids or church or something like that. I don't even remember what the issues were, but it would always come back to this root issue of I would feel disrespected and she would feel unloved. Anybody ever been there in their marriage? It's pretty typical. Men really want to feel honored and respected and women really want to feel loved and cared for. And so because I would feel disrespected, I would withdraw love. And because she felt like I withdrew love, she would withdraw respect. And we would get stuck for two or three days. And sometimes uh, we wouldn't speak. Sometimes I would give her the cold shoulder or just the silent treatment. And, it, and then we would make up and be okay. And then another six months would go by and we'd find ourselves in the same boat again. Well, I'm like, this is like, I'm an adult now. Like I gotta figure this out. Like what's, what's going on? Why is this continuing to happen? And so I'll tell you a little bit later what the three steps that I took to kind of get out of that funk. But here's the, here's the, the issue. The story that I was telling myself in my mind about why we were having this problem was real simple. It's, it's, just, it's just Jackie's fault. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it was such a simple hundred. I mean, it was so clear to me. She is disrespecting me. Once she starts to honor me, everything will work out. Like, I mean, so I would sit back and just kind of wait for her to be like, oh, honey, I'm sorry. You're the leader of the home. You're the, I honor you. You're the pastor of the church and you deserve my honor and respect. And, and I would wait and wait and wait and it wouldn't happen. <laughs> so finally, I got to the point where I was like, maybe, maybe I'm not seeing this accurately. Long story short, I came to understand the problem wasn't her. The problem was me. And the story that was true, that I wasn't seeing, was that it was my pride. It was my ego. It was my fault. And when I began began to understand that it was my ego that was being hurt, and in my pride and in my arrogance I was withdrawing love, which is sinful... I began to feel responsible and I began to look at, well, how do you overcome pride? How do you overcome insecurity and a shaky ego? And I began to study the Bible and I began to read books and I learned that a godly man is to serve his wife, is to love her as Christ loved the church. And I started to learn about humility and what does it mean to love your wife the way Christ loved the church. And it changed our whole marriage. And we haven't had that argument, an argument like that, in probably over a decade. Because I took responsibility. I changed the story. Maybe it's not her fault. Maybe it's my fault. See, the reason that we create lies in our mind is so we don't have to take action. It's so that we can stay right where we are. Is this making sense, yes or no? You know, another form of self-deception is called denial. Denial is self-deception on steroids, okay? It is a deep level of self-deception. David White, who is an author and and poet, said this, Denial serves its purpose. It keeps us safe from the things we aren't ready to take on. Again, it's the purpose of self-deception is to keep us right where we are. We don't want to deal with reality. We we don't want to move forward. We don't want to really deal with what's going on in our lives. There's a story that came out of Britain, true story, you can Google this later. It's pretty fascinating. It's kind of extreme, an extreme story of denial. It's also a bit creepy, so hang with me. I hope it doesn't creep you out too bad. The story came out of Britain, two middle-aged women, their, their older mother died of an embolism. They do the funeral. The ladies are like, hey, we wanna get a second opinion. We wanna do an autopsy on our mom. Uh, so just take, please take her and put her in the cold, the cold storage, her body. As the story goes, um, the women come back to visit the, the funeral home and they ask for the body to be taken out of cold storage and put on a presentation table. And uh, they are there every Saturday to take care of their mom's body and they would put makeup on her, fix up her face and fix up her body and, and make adjustments uh, to her body. They would delay the autopsy, delay the autopsy, delay the autopsy every Saturday. Every Saturday, they'd come back and see their mom. They would take her out of cold storage, put her on the table. It's a bit creepy. Ten years later. Are you creeped out yet? (laughs) Ten years later, after visiting their mom every single Saturday, touching up her makeup, her body was now basically bones with a little bit of stretched skin on her face and her, her upper body. Everything else was a skeleton. They'd take her out of the cold storage, put her there, spend a couple hours with her, and put her back in. Their vicar, which is what a pastor was called or a priest uh, is called in, in Europe, said this, "That is the most severe case of denial that he has ever seen. The two women who were professionals, one was a banker, one was a caterer, were in denial that their mother had died. They just wanted to continue to spend Saturdays with her. Denial serves its purpose. It keeps us from having to deal with things we don't want to deal with. So we create these lies in our minds so that we can stay right where we are. See, the reality about you and me is that wherever you are today, it's the result of the story that you're telling yourself. Wherever you are today, financially, emotionally, spiritually, whatever state your life is in, career-wise, family-wise, relationship-wise, your relationship with God, wherever, wherever, whatever your status is today, it's the result of the story that, that you're telling yourself. That story could be true. That story could be false. Let me give you an example. If I tell myself, and this is like one of the number one lies that people tell themselves, I'm not good enough. And that that lie is powerful. It takes on different versions. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not educated enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not experienced enough. It takes on different forms, but it is a, it's essentially the same lie. I'm not good enough. If you believe that story, and it is a story, it is a powerful story. If you believe that story, think about the limitations that that brings to your life. The job that you will never apply for, because, wow, I can't get that. I don't have enough experience. The person that you don't ask out, because well, they would say, no, I mean, I'm not even in the same league as them. Think about the college if you're a student, the college that you don't apply for because I won't get into that. I'm not smart enough. My essay, whatever, my scores. Think about the limitations of that one little lie. I'm not good enough. Think about the emotional side effects of a lie like that. What kind of emotions are attached to a lie that says I'm not good enough, smart enough, educated enough? thin enough pretty enough handsome enough tall enough whatever think about the emotions connected to that thought are they joy and peace and confidence and happiness no there are things like discouragement and feelings of unworthiness nobody will love me nobody will accept me depression that's a toxic life where does that where do those emotions come from they come from the lie that I'm not good enough. Think about the implications that those emotions and the limitations that come from that. Think about the implications on the lives of others, your children, your grandchildren. They never get to experience you at your full potential because you lived small, because you believed that you weren't good enough. One little false story. See, in your notes, I wrote it like this self deception. Cuts you off from the possibility of progress. When we lie to ourselves, we cut ourselves short. The lies that we tell each other ourselves, the lies that we tell ourselves become our limiting beliefs. We cannot move forward. We cannot deal with life. These two women were telling themselves, mom is not dead. They could not move forward with this new reality that, that life, there's life without mom. So they would just go back and visit her. Every single Saturday. And now before you judge her, these ladies, because I did. When I first read the story, I was like, creep Oh, Who does that? Like, these ladies must be mentally ill. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold back the judgment, Pastor D. (laughs) Show a little grace. Show a little mercy. And so God began to work in my heart. And he said this. Yeah, they did that with their mom. But you do that in so many different ways as well. You're just as guilty as them because you just wanna stay in your comfort zone, keep things the way they are, so you'll create a lie so that you don't have to move. You don't have to act. You don't have to move forward. You don't have to take responsibility of your life. And I'm like, oh, I do the same thing. Now, how do we overcome this? Let me give you the three steps that have helped me to overcome this self-deception that plagues all of us. The first one is this, in your notes, number one, You've got to question your story. You've got to question your story. Listen, what we're telling ourselves is filled. The stories that are going through our mind, they're filled. There's a high potential, they're filled with lies. We're talking to ourselves all the time. (laughs) And we have this tendency to create these lies because we're so addicted to comfort. And we want to avoid responsibility. So if you know that about yourself, if you're self-aware enough to know that you do that, and I am, and I hope you are too, then whatever story's going on in your mind about God, about church, about your family, about money, about marriage, about parenting, whatever story, your career, you have to question it and say, Is that story true? Proverbs chapter 28, verse 26 says this: Those who trust in their own insight are what? Say it with me. They're foolish. Those who trust in in their own story, this is what's going on. This is the situation. This is what the boss meant. This is what my wife meant. This is what's going on with my kids. And you don't ask anybody else. You You just look at it from your perspective, your insight. If you trust only in your story, you're foolish. Why? Because most likely you're lying to yourself. But on the other hand, anyone who walks in wisdom is safe. Now, that wisdom is implied. It didn't come from you. It came from somewhere outside of you. Years ago, when, we were, when Jackie and I were having this, this cyclical argument every four to six months, I finally got fed up. I was like, man, I don't think I'm seeing this right. So I called a friend. And I said, hey, can we go to Starbucks and chat? So we went to Starbucks. I'll never forget it. I sat down with him at Starbucks. We had some coffee. I said, man, let me tell you about my marriage right now. Every four to six months, we go through this thing, and we don't talk to each other for a couple days, and it's so, it gets so frustrating. I just feel like I keep stepping in the same pothole, like Groundhog Day. Anybody remember Groundhog Day? It's like, what is the deal? And we'll tell, he said, well, tell me what's happened. Well, Jackie, you know, she did this, and she did that, and then she said this, and then she said that, and then she did this, and then she did that, and it's Jackie, Jackie, Jackie. And she's just, and I, and I fully expected him to say, man, She's rough. Like, I don't know how you deal with that. And you know what? He didn't say that. He looked me straight in the face and he said, you know, I think the problem is you. I think your ego is wounded. I think you have a lot of pride in your life. And I'm sitting there going, what? What? Didn't you hear anything I just told you? You know how you want a friend to listen and agree with what you're saying? And he didn't. He said, let me, let me show you what it looks like to be a Christ-like husband, to love your wife. And he showed me Ephesians 5.25, and he opened up the Bible and showed me what it looks like to, to, to really love with unconditional love and to be a servant leader in your home. And I just listened, and, and he gave me wisdom. I was trusting my own insight. And I went back in, and I started to d- apply what he said, and man, Jackie and I haven't had that argument in in over a decade because I took the path of humility and servanthood. Not to say we have a perfect marriage, we still, but we don't have those, those two three day spouts. You have got to question the story. I heard somebody, her, uh, her name was um, Terry Trespicio. She gave a TED talk not too long ago. She's one of these people that uh, uh, companies hire to get their, their marketing uh, message right and um, she said something powerful about how to change your life and, I, and, I, and it's something I'd never heard before. You know, usually when it comes to changing my life, I'm always future oriented. Like I'm one of those people that makes a vision board on January 1st. Anybody else? You know, you you set your goals and you write it on the wall. and You're like, oh, this year is going to be the year that we finally do whatever it is. Write the book or whatever, right? And I get all pumped up about the future. I'm going to change my life. Well, Terry said, that's good. And we should do that. We should all have a preferred future that we envision for ourselves. Great, 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 great. But if you really want to change your life, she said this, and I thought it was so good. She said, you got to look back over the last 10 years, or if you're younger, last couple of years, because wherever you are in your life today is a result of the story that you're telling yourself. Could be true, could be False. And so if you want to go somewhere different in the future, you got to look at the stories that have gotten you to where you are today. And if you don't change the stories that have gotten you where where you are today, then you will never change your future. The stories have got to change if your life is going to change. In your notes, I wrote it like this. If the story doesn't change, you won't change. Question the stories. Well, what, what stories have led me to where I am today in this marriage, in my finances, in my career, in my relationship with God, with my children? What, what are the stories that I've been telling myself? They have brought you to this current moment. If you want your future to be different, you have to have a different story. Question the stories. That's number one. Number two, you have to be honest about the discomfort that you're trying to avoid. Why do we lie to ourselves? We lie to ourselves because we want to stay comfortable. We don't want to step into that conversation. We don't want to get the counselor. We don't, have to, we don't want to get up and go to the gym. So we create this lie that I'll work out tomorrow, right? I'll start the diet tomorrow. What we want to do is stay comfortable in the moment. And so we create a lie that allows us to just do this. Just sit down and do nothing. So when I get honest with myself about the discomfort I'm trying to avoid, I suddenly see myself as a liar. I don't know if that helps you or not, but it helps me. It's like, oh, I see what I'm doing there. I just really don't want to have that conversation. Liar. (laughs) I really just don't want to go to the gym right now. Liar. And I just call myself on it. Like I'm just honest enough to say, what's really happening? Oh, I'm trying, I want to avoid this uncomfortable scenario, this thing I don't want to do. So I'm just going to make something up so that I can stay right where I am. Now, this helps me tremendously to be authentic with myself and to be honest with myself. And that opens up the door for number three, which is to invite the Holy Spirit into the conversation. To invite the Holy Spirit into the conversation. So I'm questioning my stories. I'm being honest, and you're being honest about the discomfort you're trying to avoid and then we say, God, will you enter into this scenario and will, will you, Holy Spirit, we just got done singing a few moments ago, Holy Spirit, come into this place, right? Holy Spirit, will you now enter the conversation and begin to guide me into what is true? Listen to John chapter 16. This is what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Like this is one of his main functions, is to lead you into truth. Why? Because the devil is out there lying to us. We lie to ourselves, this whole world is filled with lies. So he comes in to minister to you and to me, to live inside of us, to dwell inside of us, to guide us into all truth. Listen to what Jesus says. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. From who? Who is the Holy Spirit heard from? God the Father. Your heavenly Father, if you're a believer today. is speaking to the Holy Spirit And if we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives, into the conversation, the Holy Spirit will tell us exactly what is true about our situation, exactly what's going on in our lives, exactly what's true about ourselves. He will say things like this. Do you know, do you know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made? Do you know that you are loved and cherished and I gave my very son for you? I gave my very best for you. You are valued in my sight. Do you know that I put a gift in your life? I put a skill set. I put passions in your soul to make a difference in this planet. Like where do these statements come from? You think I make them up? No, they come right from the heavenly father. Through the Holy Spirit. Into our hearts. And they lift us above the lies that we're telling ourselves and that we're hearing from others. I love when the Holy Spirit says this to me when I'm starting to think like, man, I don't think I can do this. And I don't know if I can handle this. And I start to tell myself, anybody else ever say those things to yourself? I don't think I can make it through this one. This is, oh man. And I love it when I turn to God and I invite the Holy Spirit. And he says, man, you can do it because I'm going to give you the strength. I am with you. I will walk with you. And as soon as I hear those words from the Holy Spirit, I'm encouraged. My spirit is lifted. I surge forward with confidence. Why? Because I've just invited him in. I've noticed, well, this, this, this doesn't sound like his voice in my head right now. Like this is either the devil or it's myself lying to myself. And so I'm going to call a timeout. I'm going to question this thought. I'm going, to, I'm going to open this up to the Holy Spirit to come in and speak to me. And every time. Now, sometimes he'll do it through the word of God, which is why I read it every day. I read it again this morning. I'll read it again tomorrow morning. Not because I'm a spiritual person or more spiritual than the next person or even because I'm a pastor. I did it before I was a pastor. And here's why. Because the Holy Spirit wrote this book. And if I want him to speak to me, if you want him to speak to you truth, if you want him to guide you into truth, then every single day we just get into this book. I was in this book this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. Paul said this, Jesus died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and rose again. 1 Corinthians 5, 15, it's one of my favorite verses, I read it this morning. And it just reminded me, here's what the spirit of God said. You are to live for me. Your whole life needs to be focused on my glory, to bring honor to me, to bring people into the kingdom. I was like, "Yes. Thank you for the reminder, because sometimes I slip into selfish mode and this is all about me. How come no one's taking care of Danny? <laughs> Anybody else?" Every single day he'll use the Word of God. He'll use other believers, which is why we do small group around here. He'll use other people to come in and, and correct the story that's going on in your mind. If you're willing to invite them into the conversation, the Spirit will speak through them, to say, "Hey, here's what I see to be true about your life. We invite the Holy Spirit into our lives. It's a posture. It's a soul posture. Did you know that your soul has a posture? It really does. It can be, I got this, I'm on my own, I can call my own shots, I'm, I'm independent. Or it can be, God, I'm, I'm like with you and I'm, depend- I'm, I'm gonna walk with you, I'm gonna surrender to you, I'm gonna follow you, you speak to me and I'll, I'll obey. That's a posture. And so every day, about every day, what I'll try to do after my time of reading is over, I'll just try, pr- try to say a simple prayer. It's what David prayed in Psalm 139, verse 24 and 25. Let me read it to you. It's a prayer. Search me. God, God. Like right here I am, I'm at my spot, and it's important to have a spot in your house where you meet with God. You go to your spot, and when you're done reading, here I am. Search me, search my soul, my heart. There's parts to your heart, there's your mind, there's your will, there's your emotion, there's your appetites, there's all of those things inside of you. Search me, God, search my whole soul, test me. Test my anxious thoughts, these, these stories that are going on. Tell me if they're accurate, if I'm thinking straight about this situation. And point out, make it obvious to me where I've gone wrong, if there's anything that offends you, if there's anything that's out of alignment or not true. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. It's just a posture. You say, God, I'm, I'm like, I'm I'm your follower. I'm your student. I'm your disciple. You are my leader. And you've promised to lead me into all truth. So I'm just going to open up my soul and just say, search and point out and lead. And and whatever you show me, I'll follow and I'll believe and I'll go with it. And that is Christianity. Christianity is not about coming to church. I think you should come to church. Christianity is not about reading your Bible and and doing a bunch of things and and going to small group or what, or obeying the 10 commandments. It's not. Christianity is about the Holy Spirit living inside of you, speaking to you, guiding to you, and then you do what he says all for the glory of God. And the kingdom is advanced through your life. That's Christianity. It is a relationship. And when you do that, and when I do that, we rise above the lies that we tell ourselves. And if we all did that, If I did that, I'm trying to do that. Fight the lies in my head. If all of us did that, what would happen? Here's what would happen. We would make progress. Remember, self-deception becomes our limitation. Self-deception blocks us from making progress. If I would have kept telling myself that it's Jackie's fault, it's Jackie's fault, it's Jackie's fault. If that lie would have kept playing over in my head, where would my marriage be today? I'll tell you, we'd be divorced. And then I wouldn't be your pastor. That's exactly where that would have headed. I felt it, she felt it. Finger pointing, all that that nonsense. See how important it is to tell yourself the truth? When you're honest with yourself, when you tell yourself the truth, your life can move forward. You can deal with life and move on and make progress. And here's what I'm saying. You become the person that God has created you to be. You begin to flourish. You reach your potential. And and you become a blessing to everyone around you. And that's God's plan for your life. But you have to tell yourself the truth. Tough question today I want you to deal with this week in your small group and in your quiet time with God. What lies have you been telling yourself? Will you take this question and wrestle with it? Have you been telling yourself, I'm good with God, but your whole life's out of alignment? I'm not a bad person, but, but you know, there's things you do wrong all the time and you know it, but you're justifying it. Like, wh- where, where have you been lying to yourself? What discomfort have you been trying to avoid? Please, the reason I'm saying, this this is tough stuff. The reason I'm saying it is because I love you and I wanna see you flourish and become the individual person that God created you to be. And in order for that to happen, you need the truth. Here's the way Jesus said it. The truth will set you free. First, it's painful though, (laughs) right? First, it puts us in the place of responsibility. First we have to take action and then we begin to flourish. What lies have you been telling yourself? You know, as we wrap up today, one of the biggest lies that I've heard people say and tell themselves in regards to God and this I wanna just break this lie as we wrap up today and, and, and I hope you can share this with your friends who believe this lie as well. There's a lot of people today that believe that God would never love a person like me. That I'm too far gone. You don't understand what I've done. You don't understand where I've been. All the, like, God would never have me. And you know who these people are, because when you invite them to church, here's what they say. And You've heard this before. Oh, man, if I went to church, the place would burn. How did you know to fill that in? Because this is a very popular thought process but you don't want me to come to that church because it'll light up in flames. And and here's what they mean by that. God would never have me. My life is way out of line. He would never love someone like me. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. Please hear me today. It's because you are a sinner. It's because we are broken people that God sent Christ to this world. (laughs) Jesus came for sinners like us. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter five, but God showed his great love, his unconditional love for us by sending Christ to die for us. Not after we got ourselves together and cleaned up our act and started to obey the 10 commandments. Some people say that, well, when I get my life together, then I'll come to church as if church were for good people. And we all know that's not true, right? Yes? Somebody say amen. Church isn't for good people. Church is for broken people. It doesn't say Christ came for people who got their stuff together. It says that Jesus Christ came to die for us while we were in the pig pen. While we were still sinning, lying, adultery, sexual immorality, pride, envy, jealousy. While we were doing all of those things, Jesus died on the cross. See, the re- See, here's the real equation. We come to church broken so that he can heal us, so he can put the pieces back together. It's called grace, it's called mercy, it's called restoration, it's called reconciliation, it's called a lot of things, redemption. It's, it's God healing your soul and making you the person you were created to be. And I hope that makes sense today because that is the truth about God revealed from the scriptures. I say, man, I've never heard it put that way before. Well, I'm glad you're here, I'm glad you heard it. Whatever campus you're at, location, maybe you're watching online, what do you do with that message? Well, here's what I would do. I would say, oh man, then I'm in. <laughs> like count me in, how do I get involved? If he's gonna love me just as I am, if he's not gonna wait for me to get my act cleaned up and then come to him, well then I wanna come now. Okay, great, I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna say a simple prayer. It's a prayer of faith. How do you come to God? You come to him with faith and you ask, you ask him to forgive you. You tell him, I believe Christ died on the cross. Forgive my sins. Fill my life. Restore me. Wash me. Cleanse me. It's a prayer of faith. And if you're ready to do that right now, I'm going to say it. I'm going to take, take these words, make these words your own. Talk to God right now. It's a prayer he loves to pray. Reach out to him in this moment out of all, all of our campuses and locations. He loves you just as you are. Reach out to him and say this to him. Dear God. Thank you for loving me as a sinner. Thank you, Jesus, for dying in my place when my back was turned, when I was living in selfishness, idolatry, adultery, immorality. You still love me. So I put my trust in you today. I ask you to wash away all my sin. Cleanse me and make me your child. Fill me right now with your spirit, spirit of truth and guide my life away from the lies into what's true about me, about life so that I can flourish and become the person you created me to be. I put my faith in you today as my savior. I pray this in Christ's name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Can we give God glory guys, amen. All of our locations. If you trusted Christ, any location online, we would love to put a new believer's Bible in your hands as a gift from us to you free of charge. They're at the tables in the back of the auditorium. Please grab those on your way out. Hey, I thought there'd be no better way to close this series than to worship together. We've got a special song for you. It's a song about... When the lies are speaking to you, it's a song about how we're asking God that the truth of God would speak louder than those lies. And so we're gonna invite all of our locations at all of our our campuses, all of our sites to stand up and close this series out with a worship song. And then our campus pastors uh, will dismiss us. God bless you guys.
1: Chose the I can't